to all these amazing students. I tell you, I don't know about you, I don't know where you're at, but I was a skeptic when I was their age. I didn't just believe easy. I didn't. It, it, there were lots of questions for me. It wasn't just a natural thing to come to, to Jesus Christ. I had to get past a lot of hurdles in my mind. I couldn't wrap my brain around the whole God thing, and, and that messed with me. I couldn't, I, because I couldn't in, in intellectualize the whole thing, because I didn't have quote-unquote proof that there was a God, it was hard for me at first to even begin this, this walk. It was hard for me to answer some of the questions that these students have answered. So I, I don't know where you're at tonight, but maybe you're here and you're looking for proof. Maybe you're here tonight and you are a skeptic. Maybe you're a parent here tonight and, and you've got a lot more questions than you have answers. And, and like me, it, it's hard for you to wrap your head around this, this whole God thing because for the most part, you just want proof. For the most part, if you could touch it, if you could put your hand on it, if it was two plus two equals four, then it would make sense and you could take the step. But sometimes the older we get, the harder it is just to take those steps. So I was a skeptic at 17. And then I became a seeker. There was a moment where I was invited to church by a young person at 17 by a friend of mine in school. And I started hearing messages about Jesus that I'd never heard before. I mean, I saw the pictures, you know, I saw on my grandma's table the big, big, huge family Bible with the Swedish Jesus with the long flowing blonde hair petting the lamb, you know. I saw that, but I started to see a different Jesus. I started to see a Jesus that wanted to change the lives of people. I started to see a Jesus that worked because for me, it was hard to have a story change me. What I started to find is that Jesus was more than a story. And so I went from a skeptic as I started seeing the lives of my friends change. As I started to hear about how Jesus was more than a fairy tale and how Jesus was more than just some historical figure on a cross, I started to hear how his word would change me and how his presence would change me. I went from being a skeptic to a seeker. Maybe you're here tonight and you came with a, a student. Maybe you're a family member. Maybe you're a parent. And you came tonight to celebrate with your student. But you're a seeker. You're a seeker. You, you've not, as Paul said, apprehended it yet. You've not wrapped your head around it. But it's not enough, that's not enough to keep you from, pursue, from seeking after God. And so part of tonight for you being here is maybe just to see what this whole thing's about. Sure, you didn't want to disappoint your son or your daughter. You didn't want to disappoint your little brother or your little sister or your family member or friend, and you wanted to celebrate with them. But maybe on the inside, you've moved past that skeptic place into a place where you're, you're, you're wondering, could this thing be real? Could her being in this tub tonight as a symbol of what Jesus done in her, could that happen in me? Maybe you're wondering, Maybe you've got questions. Maybe you've gone beyond the place of the door being shut and, and, and God being not an option to the place of, I wonder. And then I made a decision. And I decided to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I decided that if it could happen for someone else, it could happen for me. I went from becoming a skeptic with the door of my heart shut to being a seeker with the, my heart open but yet not yet filled to becoming a pursuer of God. 
a skeptic to a seeker to a pursuer of God, and everything changed. When I decided, you know, I'm going to let my guard down, I'm going to let the fact that I can't wrap my brain around it, I'm going to let all that just not suspend my intellect. That's not what anybody that would ask you to do that's crazy. Christianity is not suspending your intellect. It's opening the doors to faith, which is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things that we cannot yet see. I needed proof, and I started to see my friend's life change. And that was all the proof that I needed. I started to read the Bible. I started into this relationship with him, and he started changing me. My questions did not go away. All of them have not been answered. But something happened on the inside of me that's happened on the inside of these students that they will never be able to deny as long as they live. I heard it said this way one time, a man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with questions. A man that knows in him whom he believes is never at the mercy of someone who doubts him who believes. I read a story about a guy who was an army general or an army commander, some sort of officer in Hitler's Nazi army during the Holocaust. And he would watch, he would follow orders. I mean, they were on this mission and he would follow orders of the guys above him. He was in command of Nazi troops who would lead Jewish people in this time into gas chambers and into places where their lives would be taken from them forcefully. And so he was, would watch, he would lead the armies, he would lead the troops who would lead the people into their death. And he had this life full of, of guilt and shame and regret. And the story that he tells about his life is that the war ended and he spent years in jail. And for years in a jail cell, he couldn't sleep. He wrestled on the inside. He uses the words, my inner demons got the best of me. He, he couldn't, could never believe that his heart could be made right. So he didn't sleep. He, he had anxiety. He couldn't be around people because of the shame that covered him. He, he didn't know what to do. Nothing worked. Nothing brought peace. Nothing brought wholeness. Nothing brought the biggest thing for him, forgiveness. How could anybody forgive what I've done? And so the guilt and the shame kept him up. The guilt and the shame kept him almost isolated from the rest of the world. Until one day in that prison cell, one day they had an evangelist, an itinerant traveling evangelist come to the prison that he was in. And he talked about this God who would forgive no matter what you've got yourself into. They talked about this God who loved you like Taylor says, a thousand times infinity and then that much more, more than any love that could ever exist on the face of the earth. This God loves you and that if you would accept that his son gave his life for you, he would wash you. Not, not just on the outside because we, we spend a lot of our time trying to do that. We spend a lot of our time trying to make ourselves clean. No, what, what he talked about was not just a baptism, a, a symbol, a baptism of the body. He talked about a baptism of the heart. He said, this Jesus, see, not only did he come, and not only did he, was he God in the flesh, not only did he live a perfect life for you, but he died on a cross for you. Knowing what you did, he died. Paul puts it this way in the Bible. He says, while we were yet 
sinners. Christ died for us. So he heard this message. And the speaker said to him, no matter what you've done, God can forgive you and make you clean on the inside. And this Nazi army commander who had led countless people in this horrendous act surrendered his life in a jail cell to Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. He said something so interesting. He said, for the very first time in my life, I found something that worked. And that night I slept for the first time in 10 years in peace. He said, I, I, I still have memories of what I've done. Yeah, I did some horrible things. But that's what's so amazing about grace. That's what's so amazing about mercy is that knowing what I did, this God chose to live and die and raise from the dead for me. Here's what he said. He said, I can't tell you. This is years later after now. He's gotten out of jail. He's pushing 90. He's writing the memoirs of his life. And he says this. He says, I can't tell you that I've met anyone in my life who could say to me, I remember the day that Buddha changed my life. He said, I can't tell you in 90 years that, I can, that I've met anyone that could say, I can take you back to the moment where Muhammad saved me. I've never met anyone who could take you back to the place to where they've said, I remember the day I chose to be my own God and live an independent life that I didn't need him. I remember that day and I've been so free ever since. Nobody said that. He said, but I can tell you this as an old Nazi general who did more things in my life than you'll do in two lifetimes. I remember the day that Jesus changed me. I remember the day that Jesus washed me, made me new. And so we celebrate baptism tonight as this new life, this newness of life. It's this illustration of a person standing in this tub before they go into the water in their own self. It's a, a picture of my old life far from God. It's a picture of the sin that I've committed that's no one's fault but mine. It's a picture of the distance between me and the creator that made me that's there because of my own choices. And so I have this picture of myself needing cleansing, not just externally but internally needing to be forgiven. And so I have this picture of me and, and I get dunked and it's, it's symbolizing death. It's Jesus coming and he is taking my place and he dies and goes down into the grave and he's risen again as he defeats death, hell, and the grave. And, and I'm standing here now clean, now forgiven. It's this symbol of newness on the inside. It's this symbol that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead for me. And so Jesus says this in John chapter 11 to some people who had just lost a loved one. They just lost a family member. This is what he said. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Paul says it's similar in Romans chapter 6. He said, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 
In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And sure, we know that this resurrection that they're talking about is an actual physical resurrection, that actually death itself has been defeated. Jesus put death in its grave on that day. He did the funeral. He, he did the processional, did the whole thing, and pronounced that it was over for death on that day. We know he talks about this life to come for us, but he also talks about this life that is now for us, that inside and in our hearts, those dead places that this sin has caused, this gap between us and this God that made us has caused that he can bring those places to life, that he can resurrect the purpose for which you were put on this planet to worship a living God who's alive. The powerful thing about resurrection is this. We're kind of near Easter, and um, I love this time of year because we celebrate resurrection. Here's the most powerful thing about resurrection it's not that it just happened one day. I mean, think, like some guy who really has no spiritual or historical significance at all, doesn't, can't do anything for me, some guy one day dies and comes back to life. That's awesome. You're like, nobody's done that before. Good for you, buddy. Yay, yay. Got to go to work now. In itself, the act, the physical thing that happened is, wow, it's powerful. It's a miracle of God. It's miraculous and it's great. It's noteworthy. It's even historical. But it doesn't matter at all if it just happened then. The most powerful thing about Jesus raising from the dead is that that resurrection that happened 2,000 years ago in the body of Jesus Christ is happening 2,000 years later every single day in the hearts of his people. The most powerful thing about resurrection is not that it happened, but that it happens every day. Every day. Every day, an Anna Archer steps into a baptismal and surrenders her heart because she surrendered her heart to Jesus. Every day, a Kathleen Case steps in. Every day, every day, we hear stories of people who were dead on the inside and Jesus made them alive. We hear stories of resurrection. So maybe you were like me. Maybe you, needed, you need proof. Maybe tonight you're here and you're a skeptic. I would say this to you. Mom, dad, big brother, big sister, aunt, uncle. What more proof do you need? They are proof. If he can raise them to life. He can do it for you. If this God who rose Jesus Christ from the dead, this spirit who, who, who had power enough to defeat death with Jesus can quicken their heart and move in their lives and bring life into them, and like Corinthians said, make them new creations, couldn't he do it for you? So here's the challenge tonight. I, I feel so led of God to do this. It's, it's, it's been overwhelming almost this week. And I don't know who it's for. I don't know if it's for a lot or a few or for one. But here's the challenge. The challenge tonight for me is maybe you're here and you're a skeptic and you want to become a pursuer. Maybe you're here tonight as a, as a visitor, maybe you're here tonight as a person who came to watch someone else celebrate Jesus, and tonight you want to celebrate Jesus. Maybe this is what you need. 
maybe this God that makes everything glorious in them. Maybe you'd like him to make everything glorious in you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to say a prayer in just a minute. Worship team, if you guys could go ahead and start playing. I'm going to say a prayer in just a minute. And if you're here tonight and you're here with a friend, someone invited you, or you're here with a family member you've come to celebrate, and you know that things between you and Jesus are unresolved. You know that. I'm going to say a prayer in a moment, and I want you to make this prayer your prayer. I want you to make this God your God. I want you to invite this Jesus who's transformed them to transform you. And as I say this prayer, if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer with me in a minute, we're going to sing some songs to God. This is totally off the wall and unscripted and un, like it's totally a God thing. But as we're singing tonight, if you're here and you're adult, not a student. Students, we'd ask you that if you'd like to get baptized at a later date to please fill out a card. We need, there's some process that we would have with you in talking to parents and things like that. And maybe you are a student and you saw this and you want to take a step forward. You can fill out on the card in your seat that you'd like to get baptized. But I'm mainly speaking tonight to moms and dads and family members and friends that are here. When I say this prayer, if you pray this and you invite this God to live inside of you, there's no better moment to get baptized than tonight. There's a man named Philip in the book of Acts who met a guy on the road to Ethiopia and he started sharing Jesus with this guy and the guy hears about how Jesus died and rose from the dead and how Jesus wants to come and transform him and make him right with God and the guy sees a pool of water on the side of the road and he looks at Philip and he stops him and he says, Philip, preacher, stop talking. You preachers, you like to talk, stop. You got me, you had me at hello. Um, there's some water why wouldn't I get baptized right now? And so Philip stopped the, the carriage. Get a T.O., baby. Stopped the carriage and pulled over on the side of the road and him and the Ethiopian eunuch got out and he walked down to the lake and the Bible says that Philip baptized him right there in that moment. Mom, dad, big brother, big sister, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What more proof do we need that he's alive and he's God? So I'll pray. If you pray with me during this, these worship songs, everyone's going to stand. If you're here tonight and you're an adult and you'd like to get baptized tonight, we've got clothes for you. We've got towels for you. We've got cake for you. Um, <laughs> today's the day while we're singing this song if you're an adult and you've become a Christ follower or you become a Christ follower tonight and you've not yet been baptized I want to challenge you tonight in front of your student your family member what a night to do this what an opportunity as a family like tonight I want you to come down here during worship and find me I'll be right here I'd love the honor of baptizing you, mom or dad, tonight. So as I pray, if you'd like to pray with me in your own chair, you're welcome. Dear Jesus, I need a resurrection. 
I need new life. I need you. Thank you for bringing me to this place tonight and meeting me here. I confess that I'm far from you, but that you made a way for me to be close, that you died in my place so that I could be made new, that you rose from the dead so that I could live with you forever. So tonight I surrender my heart, I surrender my life, I make you the Savior and Lord of of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me and your next step tonight is to be baptized, if you're an adult, like we said, students, you can fill out the card, but if you're an adult and that next step for you tonight is to be baptized, we're all gonna stand and we're gonna worship. You've got two songs that we're gonna sing to meet me down here. So you got about eight minutes. I'll be right here. We'd love to baptize you tonight. God bless you. Let's stand and worship.